What are children's toys with faces? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're being stumped by your own question. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This week, we are talking about Pixar's latest release, Toy Story 4. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world, if you had to voice a classic children's toy, what would it be? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think the very obvious choice is that I would be one of those troll dolls with like neon (laughs) hair and a gemstone in the belly button. (laughs) That is an excellent choice. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago, and I would probably be Lincoln Logs. Very simple, and it's mostly about building walls. So, <laughs> okay, Lucas. Though, I I was I was racking my brain for a toy that had a humanized persona. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Logs do. Who, that's a, like saying Legos. That's like saying I would be Legos. Legos don't have a face. It's like saying uh, I would be. Uh, what is it? The barrel full of monkeys. Those have faces. Oh gosh. Okay. If it has to have, a, it doesn't have to have a face. You just put a face on the thing, right? No, Lucas. Like uh. the ball. In Toy Story, a ball in Toy Story isn't a person, right? But the chair is. What chair? In Toy Story Four, there's a chair. <laughs> Does the chair have a face painted on it? Yep. Then it's then it's a person. Uh okay. Do so Lincoln it has to have Lo- a face. Yeah, that's we're, we're talking about the deep psychological rules of the Toy Story universe. <laughs> some things have personhood, and some things do not. That is true. That is true. Um, Okay, well, let me back up. I would probably be... Okay, do you remember Wooly Willy? No. It was like a a piece of paper with a guy's face on it, and you draw hair on the guy. It's like an Etch-A-Sketch kind of thing, but you, like, remove it. So I would be Wooly Willy. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) I I picture you as a very grumpy Wooly Willy who's always angry with the hairstyle that you're getting. Absolutely. I would not be smiling at all. No. (laughs) I was like, what did this kid do to me? <laughs> That's my life anyway. It's just, what did, what did everyone do to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, before we get into Toy Story, every episode we like to talk about something we've, we've either discovered or rediscovered, um, whether that be a movie, TV show, book, whatever. Um, so, Sandra, tell us what you're feeling this week. This week I am feeling the current season of The Bachelorette. Now, Bachelor, I'm, I love reality TV, but Bachelor Nation is something that I come in and out of. Um, I often will start a season but never finish it. Um, or I'll often watch Bachelor in Paradise without really watching Bachelor or Bachelorette. Um, but this season, I, I wasn't planning on getting started in it. Uh, mostly just because, you know, I, I, I didn't watch Colton's season before. And I didn't really have a relationship with Hannah B. Um but I happened to start it, and I am loving the current season of The Bachelorette. I think it's one of the best Bachelor seasons I've seen in a long time. I think Hannah is a really refreshing lead, and I, I'm laughing hysterically while I'm watching it. Now, Lucas, are you keep keeping up with this season? I am not. Not at all. What? Lucas! <laughs> 
I watched one season of The Bachelorette. Or maybe it was The Bachelor. I don't remember. I, yeah, I was not on board with continuing. (laughs) I had a lot of fun, but it's not, it's not something that I can handle. (laughs) I had it in my head that, like, you were, like, dedicated. Oh, no. Like, there was a a Monday night where we were, like, gonna record, and you're like, oh, can't record. I was like, oh, that's right, because, like, Lucas has to watch that. (laughs) Like. No. Not at all. Well, darn, because the whole reason I brought this up was because I was going to dish with you about certain contestants and your opinions on them. Let's just say there (laughs) is a contestant. His name is Luke P. And he is the villain of the season, Lucas. Um, What makes him different than most villains is that most villains are on Bachelor are kind of cartoonishly evil and like dickheads. And, Mm -hmm. you know... You can, and they're they're kind of. You also kind of sense that they're hamming it up for the camera. Yeah, um, definitely. And you know, everyone hates them, and you root for them to leave. Luke P is a villain in that he is. I don't think hamming it for the ha- camera at all. I think this is genuinely who he is as a person, and he's also very scary and possessive, and like maybe a sociopath like it's hard to understand the way he thinks and like what his true emotions are and like whether he has emotions does that make Um, it less fun to watch i feel like once it's like they're actually really scary then (laughs) that would make it not as fun here's what i'll say about that it's not funny okay um in the way that like sometimes the villains can be funny yeah um but what makes it more interesting to watch is that the conversations that he has with Hannah, the, the, here's the typical like path of a villain. I feel like what I've noticed in bachelor is that there's a villain and the lead keeps them around for a while. And they're like charming enough with the lead so that they stay around, but there's not like this grand romance, you know what I mean? Because they're the villain. Mm -hmm. Um, However, this season, Hannah was instantly incredibly drawn incredibly drawn to Luke P from the very first episode and then he kind of revealed him his villainous ways as we went along and so Hannah is trying to figure out this guy that I'm incredibly drawn to keeps proving himself to be a little bit of a dick now do I keep him around and try to make this work or do I get rid of him and it's it feels like every single episode, she and him have an argument, which you usually don't really see in The Bachelor. You usually see the lead and the contestants. If there's an argument, then they get sent home, which is kind yeah. of what makes the power dynamic of this show so like flawed, is that they can't really argue about anything because one person has literally all the power. <laughs> With this season, Hannah and Luke argue almost every episode because Luke messed up in some way and that's really interesting to watch because for the first time i feel like you get to see the lead have real honest conversations with one of the contestants where they're visibly frustrated and you know arguing with someone typically the conversations that happen on the dates with the contestants feel very false to me it's people quote unquote opening up but they're not really saying anything um, or they're opening up by saying, I'm thinking about starting to begin to fall in love with him. <laughs> and you're like, cool. You've yeah. known them for three days. Like, and they're like, oh, I'm so glad you opened up in that way. With Luke and Hannah, um, they're, she's mad at him. 
And she's like saying, you can't behave this way. And he is trying to please her, but he doesn't know how because Luke is also not very bright. So that's also what makes this so incredibly interesting to watch is a very a person who's not very smart, but that is eager to please, trying to figure out how to please someone. Um, I, I, I'm really finding it fascinating to watch. And um, so I think that's one thing that's making this season really special. Hannah herself, she's like, very frank and honest with the boys and goofy and funny. And I, I really love watching her. Um, and then there's some guys that I think are real winners that I always like, you always find one or two that you swoon for. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that season, for me, this season, Tyler C is just above and beyond like the most swoon worthy guy there. He looks like Elvis. He has like a smooth, confident charm that like he's not rattled by any of the other guys it's really charming and then pilot pete is the one that i'm hoping hannah ends up with he seems to be like there's always one guy each season that you feel oh he definitely genuinely is really into her he's not like he may have just come on to the show to be on the show but he's fallen and you can tell it early on, and I think that's Pilot Pete this season, and I'm really rooting for him. So that's my, where I'm at with The Bachelorette. I hope other people are liking it, too. I, I think this is going to be the first season that I finish, like, start to end. <laughs> I watch every episode. I, the only other one I can think of is um, Nick's season, who he's yeah. one of the only people from Bachelor that I, like, follow on social media because I love him so much, and... Yeah, so I think this is going to be another banner season. Wow, that's awesome. If it all wraps up and somebody dies, I might watch it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll keep you posted. What are you feeling this week, Lucas? I am feeling, I usually make it a rule, uh, I usually make it a rule not to like really, you know, talk about something that I like until it's over or at least like a season of it is over or some kind of conclusion because I hate recommending things and then it getting to the end and being like, actually, this wasn't as good as I thought it was. (laughs) Um, But I can't help it this year. I like the second season of Big Little Lies is tremendous. I am absolutely in love with everything they're doing. Um, One of the things with Big Little Lies, the first season is it's based on a book. It has a complete story arc. It was over. It was set to be a miniseries. People loved it so much that they brought it back for season two, which is a recipe for disaster. Um, But they brought on Meryl Streep. Um, They didn't try and do a new mystery. They're just kind of continuing with the lives of these characters after the mystery of season one. And I really think that's an interesting way of doing it. Like there's still, you know, suspense and there's still tension um, based on what happened in season one, but it's not like they're trying to redo the exact same thing. You're getting a lot of the same, um, I think, meme-worthy moments of (laughs) all of these characters with the addition of a ridiculously talented Meryl Streep. I think everything she's doing in this is... um, incredible it's it's the weirdest things she's ever done and it's also truly truly amazing um it's 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 awesome i love spending time in that world um monterey is the best um but yeah so are, are you caught up on I big am. little lies i have okay. a group of girls that we come that come to my house every sunday night to watch it um we're making an event of it it's um, so much fun to watch with people <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm a little um, confused about how I feel about big this season so far. There oh, are, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely loving the meme-worthy moments. Um, I'm definitely loving Reese Witherspoon and Meryl Streep. Like, seeing them act, I'm just always going to be on board. Um, 
The thing that I'm having a little bit of trouble with this season is I, I think there are moments in the episode where the show is brilliant. The acting, the writing, it's all there, you know? Um, but then there are certain scenes that kind of just happen out of nowhere where all of a sudden I look around and I'm like, what has happened to this show? I feel like the pacing is very off. The writing feels stilted. It's a, it, it's an incredibly awkward place scene. Um, and I feel like it happens once or twice every single episode. And mm -hmm. that's really like frustrating to me that it takes me out of this world and makes me think about like, how did this get like okayed? How did this <laughs> scene make it into the episode? Um, this, I won't spoil anything that happens for anyone who's not caught up, but like in this week's current episode, there's a scene where Zoe Kravitz and Shailene Woodley have a conversation on the beach and that conversation, just watching it felt completely out of the blue and the, the writing felt very stilted, I felt. And and there's another scene where um, Renata has, like, an argument with her husband in this most recent episode. And he's, like, in a man cave. And while a lot of that was very funny, the husband in that, ep in that scene seemed to have, like, an entirely different accent than he has had the entire run <laughs> of the show. And so there are just little things like that where... Um, I'm like, what's going on? And so I hope that this show ramps up in a way that I start to either, either those things stop happening or I stop noticing them. Um, but see, I for just, me, a lot of those things have, I like, I've kind of viewed that as like this, this, this show isn't, cause I, I feel like it had that stuff in season one as well. And it wasn't like, this is like peak TV. This is, you know, um, at the level of sharp objects and, you know, succession and stuff like that. For me, it's like, this is kind of trashy and this is kind of fun. And so like having some of these weird moments that you're like, also the Jean-Marc Vallée kind of style of you're just getting real quick slices of people's lives. So you have a lot of scenes that last like, you know, less than a minute, um, which I don't think is ideal in norm normal storytelling, but I think it kind of works with this. And sometimes it's, you know, it doesn't work as well as it should, but I, I think I'm willing to let a lot of that slide. Sure. I I'm still having a lot of fun. Um, I, 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 I've already, I'm already planning like, all the different like memes that I want to make with like cakes mm -hmm. and quotes from this show. <laughs> like I I'm, I'm loving it um, for, for those amazing moments. I will say like I could watch Laura Dern play this role for <laughs> hours. I love every single moment she's on screen. I think it was written into her contract for season two is like, I need more screaming moments. Yeah. So it, yeah. <laughs> I saw a really, she's getting them all. Um, I saw a really funny tweet saying, um, something to the extent of Big Little Lies season three is just going to be uh, Tom Hanks showing up to Monterey, a town <laughs> where both his wife and son mysteriously died. <laughs> and I love the idea of that becoming a new formula. Is it's that just, like they kill someone in this family every season and then a new elite in. actor comes in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I just want to spend so much time in this world with these people. Um, cause it's a world in real life that I would not want to spend any time in. So it's sure. fantastic. So it's big little eyes season two. Hope it wraps up well. And this is, can still be a recommendation. Yeah. Same. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to a really fun segment that we have called in and out. No, 
In or out? <laughs> not, you can't be both. It's not in and out. That's the restaurant. Are you in or out? You were so All right, Sandra, you've got a trailer for me this week. Uh, tell me what this is. Okay, so Lucas, if you will remember, um, early on in our podcast history, one week my feeling at pick was the MTV dating show called Are You the One? The, pre- yep. the premise of Are You the One is 10 men and 10 women are put in a house and they're told that each person has a perfect match in this house. And their goal is to, everyone has to figure out who their perfect match is. And if they do so within like 10 weeks, they all get to split a million dollars. And so it's a dating show where everyone's kind of in a house dating each other and trying to figure out who the producers have decided is each other's perfect match. And there's all these rules on how they can figure that out. I think it's a brilliant dating show idea because it involves a lot of people hooking up with each other and arguing and all the great things of reality TV with a really fascinating, like, conversation about, like, what fate means. Like, if you're fated for this person, do you still, do you make your, do you end up with them? Because there would be couples that would be designated with each other that weren't, that didn't want to be together, that wanted to be with someone else, and they, and you had to fight through that and it was really fascinating and and then also just the game show aspect of like who is who's perfect match and trying to predict that is also really fun um so I watched the first few seasons I kind of fell off because it's on MTV and that's a little bit harder of a show for me to like keep up with on a different network however last night I was made aware of a trailer for the newest season of Are You the One that premieres on Wednesday, July 26th, probably today if you're listening to this, the day that the podcast comes out. And this is the trailer. The trailer for this new season is what I showed you, Lucas. And what makes this new season special is that all 20 single people in the house are... um, I guess the best term would be sexually fluid. They're either bisexual or pansexual, whatever label they use, meaning that they are interested in all genders um, or multiple genders. And so for the first time, we have like a, not the first time ever, but for one of like for, there hasn't been many, we have a very queer reality dating show, which I have been screaming for for a long time. Plus... It's not just a queer reality dating show, but it's like a bisexual reality dating show, meaning anyone can date anyone and like all bets are off. I just think this is the perfect formula for amazing TV as well as just like great representation. So I'm very in. I'm very excited. I want to hear what you have to think. Yeah. So after watching this trailer, uh, it seems exactly, it seems right up your alley. Of course. <laughs> um, it seems absolutely insane and out of control. And if anyone can date anyone on this show, I, what is, is there like a, there's no winner. There's no like. No. I, so I don't know what the rules are going to be. Yeah. The trailer doesn't really set up the, the, are you the one rule system, but right. I would imagine, here's the great thing. Is there have that, to be good rules. Well, the thing is. On The Bachelor Bachelorette, they've always talked about, could you do a gay bachelor? Which they did. They did on Logo. It was called Finding Prince Charming. And you had this one handsome guy and then this house full of guys trying to date him. And 
what didn't happen, at least on camera, was people in the house, like, flirting and hooking up with each other, um, which is what I think would make, like, a gay bachelor very interesting. Um, but with Are You the One, it's not that simple. It's not, like, one lead and then there's a winner who ends up with the lead. Right. It's the the house wins if everyone finds the person that they're supposed to be matched with. And when I say supposed to be matched with, the show has said, we've interviewed your friends and family. We've, we've put you, we've made you take personality tests and we've decided with all this data who your perfect match is. Um, right. So they're trying to like figure out like, who am I most compatible with? Who do I mm-hmm. see a future with? That kind of stuff. And so, it's more of a teamwork game where it, everybody's it, kind of working together. Absolutely. So with this, the goal is still the same. There's just, it's just honestly a much harder goal to achieve because instead of one person having 10 options, one person now has like 19 options. Yeah. Um, and so it just makes a complicated game even more complicated and i think that is amazing <laughs> and in one season i had a whole spreadsheet of trying to figure oh my out gosh. who belonged with who and who could because you're able to like eliminate people from like okay this person isn't my match you know so you're right and so i had a whole spreadsheet trying to fit solve the puzzle <laughs> along with the contestants you know um i i can't imagine what my spreadsheet is gonna look like this season Oh man, well I I think this is perfect for you. I cannot wait to to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really excited. From a reality TV standpoint, I think it's very innovative. But also, like we don't see a lot of bisexual representation or pansexual representation in reality dating shows. It just very rarely happens. And the once in a while when it does, it's kind of um, they're kind of looked at as like, oh, it's like, look, look at this edgy woman that's come on that also dates women, you know? Um, and so for an entire show to be filled up with like queer 20 somethings, um, is incredibly exciting. Oh, well, we completely throw out our rules for this inner out section. So I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Lucas is out because Lucas doesn't watch a lot of reality TV is what I'm going to declare. And I am very much in. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked a lot about reality TV today. We sure did. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. So let's move on to the main topic, Toy Story 4. Okay. So Toy Story 4 uh, is directed by Josh Cooley. He's the first-time director for Pixar. He's been with the Pixar family for a while, but this is his first time directing. Um, this comes 10 years almost after Toy Story 3, which we thought was a fantastic ending, correct, um, to, <laughs> to the Toy Story uh, family. Um, but I feel like coming into it, I had a lot of the same opinions um, of Toy Story 4 as I had of Toy Story 3, of like, why are they doing this? They already had a great ending. There's no need for this. Um, and then just like Toy Story 3, I kind of thought that it was great. I, I really loved it. I don't think it had that emotional ending to a franchise that Toy Story 3 did. Uh, but I had so much fun with it, and I really love these characters. And um, it, it to me, it felt a lot like a, um, like a like a season of TV, like 
kind of finale. Like this is just, you know, a way that we're wrapping up this, you know, shorter story that we're looking at as opposed to the whole franchise. Um, so I think there could be more in the future and I might be fine with it if they're all good, but I really like Toy Story 4 and I'm surprised by it. Sandra, how'd you feel about it? You know, I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's, I think what's tough about the Toy Story franchise is that they really kind of one-upped themselves with each of those movies. Mm -hmm. um, I think Toy Story 2 is, like, beautiful. And I think Toy Story 3 is not as beautiful as Toy Story, Toy Story 2, but it has this incredibly emotional ending that feels yeah. like the end of this story. So it, you know, kind of ramped up in that way. And then, so we've come to expect a lot, I think, from these stories. Mm -hmm. We expect a poignancy from them. We expect this finality from them. And so while this was a, just a fine kids movie, I think in any other franchise, it would be just like another okay sequel or good sequel. Um, in the Toy Story franchise for me, it kind of felt like fan fiction. It felt like <laughs> someone who was a fan of Toy Story tried to write a spin-off story in that universe. And it was good. It's good fan fiction. But it didn't feel like it truly belonged in the arc of those characters to me. Um, it also kind of felt like these would have been really interesting, like, shorts. Like, the whole forky storyline that we go through, I think, would have been a really great Toy Story short to add on um, mm -hmm. and release before another Pixar movie. And like, <laughs> oh, we get to check in on these characters, but it doesn't erase the finality of that ending, you know, of yeah. Toy Story 3. And yeah. yeah, and I just felt like this movie was... um. Again, fine. There there were moments and scenes that I thought were really special. I definitely cried during one scene. I definitely clutched my heart during another. Like, these people know what they're doing, and they know how to make compelling, um, like, emotional arcs. Um, but I just think it's, it's good and fine, but not great. I wasn't blown away by it. See, I definitely think it's the worst Pixar movie, but the that's better. The worst Pixar movie? Sorry, 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 sorry. No, 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 no. Sorry. Wow. No, absolutely not. <laughs> the worst Toy Story movie. <laughs> um, but that makes it better than I still say most movies. Sure. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I think the other movies have a lot more emotional heart to them. I think what's interesting about this one is that they're they're really pushing at a lot of like themes and a lot of interesting story ideas that they were wanting to try here, which I really enjoyed. I think this is. There are some some of the funniest moments in any Pixar movie in this movie, I think, huh. um, that in my theater just had everybody rolling. I'm um, really interested to hear what you think those are. <laughs> we will definitely talk about that in spoilers. Um, but I, but I, I think you're right, obviously. like The emotional arc is not um, as devastating as literally every other Toy Story movie. Um, and I, but I was okay with that. I don't think every movie from Pixar needs to devastate you, um, and not every Toy Story needs to either. But I do think um, it's hard having that finality of of the third movie, and then coming into this and being like, eh, but yeah, but we're still gonna go. We're still gonna. We have more stories about Woody. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I it, now, if they had like, if Woody hadn't been the main character in this, if they'd focused on you know a character that we haven't really seen, maybe from Bonnie's room or something like that, as the main character, and um, like Buzz isn't 
a main character in this movie at all. He's there, um, but he's not a main character. And if they'd done that to Woody, where we're really focused on Forky and someone else or something like that, um, and Woody's just around, I think I would have, that probably would have worked better for me because you still have that finality to that story, and yet we're still in that Toy Story universe. Right. Um, I would have loved if Forky was the main character of this movie. I I probably would have as well. <laughs> I think that would have been really unique and different. It, it really would have, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and to have, like, someone who's not Woody not be the main character of a Toy Story mm-hmm. movie, I think would have been so interesting. And, and mm-hmm. you have him more as, like, a Jack Sparrow, as, like, the main character's guide throughout this film, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jack Sparrow's not really the main character. Well, that's what I, I'm I, saying. I think if Woody oh, yeah. could have been the Jack Sparrow to Forky as oh, the main Oh, got it, got it, got it. Where yes, you're like, yes. he's still a big part of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he's, but he's not the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for those who haven't watched the movie, Forky is... Um, a, a made-up toy. It's a toy that Bonnie makes um, at, at her first day of kindergarten con- out of a... Sp- Bonnie grants consciousness. <laughs> yes. She makes it out of a spork, some uh, googly eyes, and uh, what is it? Popsicle sticks and stuff? Popsicle um, sticks and a pipe cleaner. Yeah. And by writing her name on it, he gains consciousness and is in an existential crisis because he thinks he's trash. I would also he's now say a toy. by writing her name on it and by giving him a face. Okay, fine. The face is important. It is. <laughs> um, yes. So, um, and so, yeah. So having Woody kind of spend time with this character, I think, was really good. And I liked, I mean, I loved Forky more than I thought I was going to. Me too. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think it would be very interesting to have Forky as a main, as a main character here. Um, but I also really liked kind of everything that they did um, with Woody's relationship to um, two kids in general and why he feels like he needs kids so much and like what his um, what his relationship is there. So I liked that storyline. It just felt like it would be an interesting story for somebody else to go through because we had such a good end for Woody. Right, right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, what, what else do we want to talk about before we get into spoilers? Because there's so much. I'm really ready to get to spoilers. Okay, let's just jump right in. Uh, spoilers starting now. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, I'd like to talk about one thing that I thought was very moving, um, that in order for me to talk about, I have to spoil um, for any of our listeners season two of Fleabag. This is spoilers for Toy Story 4, but also spoilers <laughs> for season two of Fleabag. I'm going to okay. give you ample time to pause right now. <laughs> okay. So the very, the, the that flashback sequence at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we have where, where Bo is about to be given away and Woody is like, and Bo was like, you could come with me. You could, like, leave Andy and, and follow mm-hmm. me. It was like, this is me, Fleabag, all over again, where you have these two people in love, and one person, this man has to decide, does he stay dedicated to his calling, or does he, like, follow the love of his life? And I was just, like, so taken away by how similar... I felt during those scenes and how Flea, how much that Fleabag and Toy Story 4 could have something in common <laughs> really took me by surprise. Oh, man. And then for the end of the movie where he does abandon his calling and for love, you know, um, I thought was like, wow, this is what I, you know, 
obviously I, I think Fleabag season two ended beautifully, but it was nice to get to the rever- get the reverse ending and have <laughs> that satisfaction. Even though I think that it's a sad ending and, and kind of an unfortunate ending for a lot of other reasons. The the romantic in me loved that react that <laughs> the way that that resolved itself. Yeah. See, I viewed it more as not him abandoning his calling, is that his calling had been fulfilled a long time ago, and he felt so um, useless without it that he just continued his calling, thinking that that was still his calling. But he'd gotten Andy through, and Bonnie didn't need him like Andy needed him, but he still felt like he had to be there for Bonnie, and he had to do this, when really everyone else had it covered, that his calling was fulfilled, and now he was allowed to move forward with his life. Um, that's how I saw it. I mean, you can maybe view it that way, Lucas, but that doesn't fit my <laughs> metaphor very well. I'm sorry, it doesn't fit your metaphor. <laughs> um, so, the, but the other thing about the ending that was very frustrating for me, him abandoning not only this kid, but like his family, essentially, like that he's yes. lived with for decades, is the whole arc of Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 even though there's lots of different plots and understandings, really like the main focus has been the relationship between Woody and Buzz. You know, their friendship has been like the core of the series. Mm-hmm. And to see him just like leave, not the rest of his family, but Buzz, his best friend, with not a lot of fanfare. It didn't seem no. like a very dramatic goodbye. <laughs> Um, that was a little hard to process. If their arc, if well, if, if Bud, if Buzz had had an arc, <laughs> yeah. I think it would have been nice to have their his arc kind of being, you know, they can be friends and they can be apart, and that they don't need they don't need each other anymore. That that you know that that he can let go and but they can then, move on, kind of a thing. But that's so dark. Is that this isn't like we can be apart, but we'll still email like this. Like if they get <laughs> separated, they're separated for good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, this is very dark. It's like, I will never see or speak to you again. And I just don't feel until like, toy story five. <laughs> yeah. I just don't feel like that ending felt like it was like grasping with how like grave the situation was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could have taken it more. It could have been more realistic with it as to like this is the end. Like we like we won't see each other again. Yeah, we are ending our friendship here. Um, so, th- so. so that was like a little hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I definitely cried during the scene where there was a little girl lost in the carnival. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I think just Gabby Gabby's arc in this. Yeah. Um, this is I think the first. Yeah, this is the first Toy Story without a villain. Like, she was definitely an antagonist, but at, I, I, like she wasn't a villain throughout. Right. Um, and getting to watch her, <laughs> like, that whole, that's a long scene, too. And getting to watch her come to this point where she's terrified of, like, of, you know, being loved by a child and she's afraid of rejection and, like, how do I, how do I do this? And everybody just encouraging her on and that girl picking her up. Oh, man, that was. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Really good. I think Christina Hendricks, who voiced Gabby Gabby, mm-hmm. was really incredible in this. Like, great voice acting. Really fluctuating between menacing, that the way that, like, a feminine <laughs> voice can be very menacing, and yeah. also, like, very sympathetic and, like, and, and heartbreaking. Um, yeah. She, I really loved the voice acting that she got to do in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the beginning of the movie where she's very kind and yet 
like very sinister also like yeah. you know she wants something <laughs> Um, I think this movie is a little bit scarier than all the other Toy Story movies sure. as well. Um, this, uh, they've really modernized it with the jump scares in here. Um, all of the ventriloquist dummies are so, so terrifying. Yeah. Um, I also think just the way that um, they show, what is it, the, the antique store um, feels very modern. Like very, like a lot of like... Um, a lot of modern like camera movements, a lot of, uh, and just, just the feeling that the, it's also this underground like toy place of just, um, what is it? Like this whole secret society of toys. Yeah. Well, um, Bo Peep feels very modern, you know, like yes, yes. as like this adventurer woman, like we've never seen that kind of like character in a toy story movie. Someone who mm-hmm. like doesn't really care about kids that much. Who's just like making their way through the world and, and, and surviving and, and it's, excited by it yeah that's really it was a really fresh take i really liked Mm -hmm. the bo peep character a lot yeah definitely Uh, yeah there's just there's so many different like all the like subplots of this i feel Mm -hmm. like just could have been pixar shorts like i think the whole (laughs) storyline could have been a pixar short i Mm -hmm. think the whole road trip aspect with a playground like and toys that live on a playground could have been a pixar short i thought Mm -hmm. um Buzz Lightyear following his inner voice could have been a Pixar short. Um, and then I think even the Bo Peep storyline with maybe a different end, the ending working out a little bit different could have been a cool short. You know, the toys go on a road trip. They discover Bo Peep and see a new world. How would you um, feel about this as a, like a six episode miniseries on Disney plus? Like if, if this, if they like really drawn it out, really given you kind of all the emotional arc that you wanted and just made it a TV show. Mm, I, I wouldn't watch it. I don't think. <laughs> That's true. I do think it'd be something that'd be difficult to like get into from a yeah TV watching standpoint, a Pixar sh- you can, show. You can get me to commit, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to a Pixar movie in a movie theater. But I don't think you can get me to watch a children's show. Like you can get me to a, mm-hmm. a children's movie if I I, th- I think it's going to be really good. But yeah. a children's TV show is a lot is a bigger ask. I think it's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So we got a lot of new characters as well. So we got yes. Gabby Gabby. We got uh, Kim Peel as what is it? Ducky and Bunny. Um, we got Keanu Reeves as uh, Duke Kaboom. <laughs> Um, how did you feel about the, uh, these new characters? I always think it's fun to add new characters to the Toy Story world, um, but each each one is kind of a, a mixed bag. So, what did you think of these? Well, I thought the Key and Peel characters were real a really great addition. I like that was where the all the comedy for this movie really yes, came from. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was nervous about them at first, but <laughs> but I really liked kind of what they did. They were very funny, and I think like the the scene where they're trying to get the key. Yeah. Uh, where they're trying to figure out how to get the key, that whole scene brought the house down. Well, it was hilarious. It, it's very funny, but it's also very different for Toy Story movies to have like oh, yeah. a dream sequence. You know what I mean? Yes. Or like a um, you know, to show mm-hmm. something that isn't actually happening. Again, re- doesn't really happen in these movies, and so yeah. it really took you by surprise. <laughs> and did you stay for there after the credits scene? Yes, yes. That got very <laughs> surreal. It really did. <laughs> oh man yeah i yeah I, I think that's another like it's one of those modern things that are just like we're doing this because it's it's going to be funny and it's going to be good yeah um, but it doesn't really follow kind of what we've done in the past and that's fine um yeah i loved them i loved uh keanu <laughs> keanu is great duke kaboom 
very, very funny character. Um, and very, like, I think one of the most toy-ish characters. Like, I feel like most of these toys are very, like, they look like toys, but they're just going to talk like human beings. Yeah. And he very much had that toy cadence of, I'm a toy, this is my thing. Well, he felt going like season one Buzz Lightyear is, like... Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Season one, oh my gosh, Toy Story one, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's a TV show now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was, he was very fun. I also really liked that they had... Um, that tiny little toy that was Bo Peep's friend, like Giggles or something. Yeah. And because I loved Polly Pockets as a kid, and mm. those toys are so tiny. They're like t- smaller than a <laughs> fingernail. And so I love that we got some really good variety of sizes in this in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like they were less concerned with being seen. In this movie, yeah. I feel like they were they were really going at it with people around, so it well, made me very nervous. <laughs> which kind of makes sense in that, like, Bo Peep as a character is, like, yeah. less cautious in every aspect mm-hmm. of her life, you know? Um, yeah. And so it, it makes sense that she would embolden the rest of them to be a little more, um, like, risk-taking. Yeah, true. What were the things that made you laugh the hardest? Was it that key scene you were talking about? Yeah, that scene, I, yeah, I died. Mainly just because at first you're just like, oh, this is not how this is supposed to work. This is not how toys work. Right. <laughs> like, you can't attack the human. Um, and then once you realize it's a dream, and then they do it again, and then a third time where they follow her home, it's just so funny. And then the reveal that they, that they, how they got the key was just, she just said it right in front of them. Yeah. All of that was just brilliant. Um, and then also just Duke Kaboom. He made me laugh so much. Just anytime he was, you know, in his head or like doing anything, it was it was so funny. So <laughs> um I, I do wanna I think we need to spend a little bit of time talking about Forky. And Oh yes. I, I think the scene with Tony Hale and Tom Hanks just like do one on one and that long like highway yes. walk is yes. just like a beautiful piece of like writing and act and voice acting. Um, mm-hmm. Again, many moments in this movie I thought were like incredibly well done, and that's one of them where you have someone like when you have Woody explaining his life's purpose, and you have Tony Hale realizing like what his purpose could be, um, and and reluctantly going from like like let me leave to like excited to fulfill a purpose. Yeah. That was beautiful. And it was. And I was actually really surprised by it because at the beginning of this movie, I thought, okay, the whole arc of this movie is going to be him having to realize that he is loved by this kid. But yet 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, now he wants this. Yeah. <laughs> so what is this movie going to be about? And it's like, Oh, it's about Woody. Got it. Cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked kind of, any any part that he was in, but especially just his him being new to the world, right? And it's like him being a child. I think was really fun, and them getting to explain a lot to him of him just not understanding how things work, right? Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. I also just loved that he, <laughs> like the whole beginning, you have this sequence of him just wanting to be in the trash, yeah. and I really thought that was a lot of fun. Great, montage. and just a such a good montage. <laughs> And just how exhausted Woody was by that of just like of like I'm trying to care for a kid now. So, <laughs> um, one thing, one joke that really made me laugh is that you have, like you said, you have Forky, like everyone, everything's had to be explained to him, like he's new to the world, that kind of stuff. Um, and then they they flip that premise by Woody saying like, 
we'll meet you by the merry-go-round. He's like, what's a merry-go-round? He's like, oh, yeah. it's lights. And he's like, oh, a carousel. Like, carousel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really yes. got me. <laughs> yeah. I thought Tony Hale's voice was also great. Like, he was Tony perfect Tony Hale for, is for always Forky. wonderful. <laughs> More Tony Hale in everything. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and Tom Hanks, you know, movies like this where even though I have mixed feelings about it, every moment of Tom Hanks voice acting, you're just really like thrown into that character. And he's mm-hmm. just, he's so amazing. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche to think like, Oh yeah. Greatest actors working like alive Tom Hanks. But then you, you watch a movie like this and you really understand, Oh, he truly is one of the best we have. Oh yeah. I, th- I feel like, like him as Woody, he gets so many like interesting deep moments just constantly throughout um, that you really, really get to like see what he's doing with his voice. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 amazing. I feel like it's the same thing like with Meryl Streep on Big Little Lies. It's just like every little thing. It's like you are just incredible. Right. You're like so good at, the, at your job. And you feel that with, with Tom Hanks here yeah. as well. Whereas so. I will say with Tim Allen and Buzz Lightyear, yeah, I feel like yeah. we do not experience that. And so they give him like this like kind of puny little side plot with like very yes. you know goofy little things to say yes um yeah and if you, it's really uh, a you know <laughs> you, get see, you get to see the, the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs yeah yeah they definitely match the characters to the uh or the, the yeah they, they match how much weight the characters are, are carrying based on the actors who have to do that yeah so <laughs> Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. We would love to hear what you think about Toy Story 4. Let us know on Twitter, at FeelingItPod. Sandra, where can we find you individually this week? Um, you can find me on all social media platforms, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me everywhere, at Lucas and Stuff. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away, I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 